Captain's Log, Stardate 7537.1.8. We've been dispatched to investigate strange occurrences taking place near Davidia 2. Starfleet Command believes we may be on the brink of a galaxy-ending event. I have Lieutenant Commander David, my strategic operations officer, joining me on this errand of great importance. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to parallel processes. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet again another adventure, another discussion, another whatchamacallit here on These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me once again for another little book review, another book discussion, Lieutenant Commander David. What's up, bud? You sick of seeing me and talking to me yet? Don't Actually, don't answer that. <laughs> Captain's log. Day three. <laughs> Near constant recording and no sleep. Sounds hearing, about right, actually. I'm hearing voices through the intercom. I don't know if it's me or if it's my imagination. <laughs> These Oompa Loompas just start showing up and dancing at random times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, things are good. But yeah, this is... It is legitimately day three, though, of uh, various recordings. So much Star or Star Trek stuff going on right now. True story, Yeah. Yeah, so um, at at the time of recording this, yeah, we've been we've been recording daily for some kind of content to produce for y'all. I mean, of course, it's staggered in terms of like the releases, but you know, we have the distinct honor and privilege of of showing up on the microphone, um, staring at our webcams to, to have these conversations so y'all can hear them. And um, yeah. yeah, like after the, after the last one, um, I did not get any any good sleep at all um i tried and tried and tried and then my son started having like some major like con- like nasal congestion and stuff and like you know when you're when you're an infant and you got that going on like no one sleeps um, yeah so i think i got maybe three and a half hours of sleep and that's about it maybe four wow yeah it's it's pretty fantastic and um proceed to uh start my day off doing um doing laundry and um, i decided to go ahead and you know clean off the patio and um in in the backyard and like you know what just just for the heck of it let's start a fire like in my fire pit right like let's let's start a fire so i I started a fire and i'm like i also need to air out my tent so let's air out the tent let's stake it down and make sure it's clean no mold or mildew stuff like that and um, oh yeah, I got to get the smoker ready for Thanksgiving, which has already happened by the time y'all are hearing this. Um, so yeah, like and then like well, we gotta we gotta take care of the garage. So let's let's reorganize the shelves in the garage and do that. So this has been a very busy day, running on fumes essentially. Yeah, that does sound pretty busy. <laughs> so anyway, how's your how's your day been, bud? Oh, it, yeah, it's okay. Um, I mean, I slept a little longer than you did, I guess. Uh, laundry, yeah, typical kind of just hitting the weekend stuff. Um, yeah, nothing 
nothing really amazing. Brother came down. We're going to go watch uh, the Browns uh, steamroll the Lions tomorrow. And so, you know, we had uh, we had dinner at um, the son of Thurman's. Thurman's Cafe is a sure. really, you know, famous uh, burger place in downtown Columbus. And um, we went to their little shop in another town. So that was... Um, that was wasn't too bad, um, but yeah. Now I'm just recording and then gonna get some sleep and then you know, get up in the morning, drive two hours. Hope uh, hope that the parking that I bought way way late's actually valid, uh, because if not, I will right. um, probably wind up on the news because I murdered 25 people. Mm. Uh, Fantastic. <laughs> just kidding. But yeah, yeah. seriously, part I was telling Chase. I mean, like parking, not knowing where parking is is one of my biggest like stressors sure <laughs> it's like i don't want my tar- i don't want my car towed i want to mm-hmm. know where i'm at i want to get there in plenty of time because yeah. like i don't want to be late to this and who that's a yeah that's a stressor yeah we were uh pre-show we were, we were talking about that and kind of like swapping stories about where we park whenever we go um to like sporting events and just stuff in general and I was telling um, I was telling you, David, about how uh, whenever I went to the, one of the more recent uh, Texas Rangers games um, for this season, that uh, or the or the most recent season, I suppose, um, it was for my birthday, and I wasn't paying for parking, I wasn't driving, and my buddy like we roll up in his like crossover or something or another, and we park nowhere near where I normally park and it's basically the, the, this docking bay and it just looks so freaking sketch like there's dumpsters and like p- potential homeless people are like living there and I mean it was like maybe a mile mile and a quarter walk but yeah man like whenever you're, you're like worrying about parking at like a sporting event all bets can be off like especially if you don't take care of it ahead of time yeah <laughs> Yeah, the only saving grace about this particular block is like there are two, you know, like decent named hotels and some federal banks. So I figure, I figure it might yeah, be okay. It'll be fine. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, Cleveland's one of those towns that uh, there's definitely like really nice parts of Cleveland. There are also some really not nice parts of Cleveland too. Sure. So, man. Well, well, well. Um, you know, we were we, another thing that we were talking about just before, um, um, you know, executing and engaging and hitting it and stuff. Um, we were talking about like you know decapitating people with samurai swords and stuff like that. We were talking about Highlander, and um, it got me thinking about like you know the old like the shows that or shows or movies or, or whatever that like of of yesteryear that like you just really miss that like might be like a guilty pleasure or something like that um and there there are quite a few that like kind of come to mind um like there's like one like kids show that i miss uh from like growing up and it was on fox kids i don't know if you you remember fox kids at all growing up um uh we we didn't really have much in the way of television that's fine so (laughs) It was like it was basically like the after school kind of thing, like on the Fox Channel, and that's what Power Rangers and stuff would like would air on. So 
I want to say it had to have been close to like 1996 uh, or seven ish time frame. Uh, there's a show called Mystic Knights of Tiernanog. And it was basically, so this was, this is weird. It was basically Scottish Highlands Power Rangers wearing samurai armor. And uh, there was only one season of it, but I mean, I, I was really digging it. I, I mean, I thought it was like really cool, but they only did one season of it because like, you know, production value was way high. Like it was just like too high. And um, I guess the budget got like reabsorbed into um, like Power Rangers, like Lost Galaxy or something like that. But I thought it was a really cool show. And, and like that got me, I mean, the only reason I'm saying like, the Mystic Knights thing is because we were talking about Highlander and yeah. obviously um, like this whole Scottish type stuff, especially with like Sean Connery being in it for crying out loud. <laughs> yes. Yes. V- briefly. Very briefly yes. in Highlander. Yeah. Yes. He was in there. <laughs> there can only be one. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, what was... Um, I mean, I, I just confess to Mystic Knights, but what was yours, man? Um, yeah, I mean, we, like I said, we had very spotty periods of ever even having cable. Uh, a lot of it was, you know, rabbit ears, antennas, and getting, you know, CBS and Fox and ABC. Um, I, I I I wasn't kidding. I actually did watch a fair amount of Highlander. I, I actually did enjoy that show. Yeah. Um. But there were a couple. Sequest DSV, the first season was, in my opinion, really really good. Then it got kind of funky after that. I think everybody pretty much knows that. Um. The only anime that I ever really cared about, Ronin Warriors. That was a fun show, okay. and I like one of the bad guys better oh. than the good, the good guys. The he 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 had the little uh, chain with the spike thing on the end of it that he threw all over the place. That was fun. Um, and I had one. Oh well, I don't necessarily think it's it's any sort of guilty pleasure, but one of my absolute hundred percent favorite TV shows, The X Files. I love the X Files. That was that that was something that lit, which <laughs> some of it, uh, you know, young kid, but uh, that's something that me and uh, me and my parents actually sat down and watched. It was like a lineup. It was like, you know, Malcolm in the middle, and then something or something before. It doesn't really matter, but it was I cared about X Files. So yeah, those were actually three. Nice. What are we gonna start our um, start the X Files podcast that we've been talking about? You know. Oh, dude, I'd be down for that. I would love that. That'd be fun. I really enjoyed that show. That that's fun. Like I'm probably nowhere near as much of a dork with it as you are, but um, like X Files. Well, it's it's not it's not like I read any of the you know like accompanying stuff. I was just so so into the show. The yeah. show was where it was at. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I think I've mentioned like bits and pieces of X-Files type stuff on this show before and 
like I didn't watch it, you know, like like a lot of things. Um, I never really watched the shows like in their like original airings for the most part, unless I was like, right, you know, right. spending the night at like one of my my school friends' houses and stuff, and like their parents were watching it, and even then, like I'd be watching it from like behind the couch type of thing, <laughs> and. I started watching X Files uh, about the time I was graduating from um, my graduate program, so like sometime mid to late 2016 thereabouts. And uh, what was it? Uh, I would be like, I was studying for my, my licensing exam. That's what it was. I was studying for my licensing exam at the apartment, and I, I remember this one time I sent my wife a text during the day. I'm like, "Hun." Like, my brain hurts. I don't want to do this anymore. And she's like, take an X-Files break. And I'm like, I love you. <laughs> nice. It's, it's fantastic. Um, there are some weird, some freakishly weird episodes of that show. Absolutely freakishly weird. And I guess, I guess we'll have to start the podcast and talk about it. <clears throat> but... Uh, one of which I think has has never been re-released on um, on television, like in syndication no. at all. Home, yeah. Is it home? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. That well, there were a couple of um, there were a couple that were extremely either jarring or just really creepy, and uh, I'm not I'm not even close to the way Eric can like almost instantaneously bring up show names from you know like star trek and everything but um there was the the one where scully saw her father's ghost okay before he died and then there was like the one guy who worked at the bowling alley who would see people dying and he saw i think scully die and was like oh she's gonna die and all this stuff that's crazy creepy and just the way in which he would see those visions, and then there was um, the, the the one. Uh, uh, I wish I could remember. It's been it's been a while since I've even rewatched. But the guy who could uh, make himself extend so he could get into like uh, vents and stuff like a mouse, you know, like tombs. And he'd leave the long. He would, yeah, tombs. Yeah, uh, that was oh, oh creepy, very creepy guy there. So. Um, but there was also some really lighthearted stuff in there too, and some uh, think stuff like the stuff with like you know cigarette smoking man, and you know the episode where you know he basically killed everybody throughout history. It, w- it was him. Yeah. He did it all. Yeah, he his own origin Kennedy. story. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that so, was great. It was a really good show. You know, one of my favorite um, X Files episodes um, was like I think. Like um, it was like later in the series, it was like a like a Christmas special. Like they were like it was it was um, they were stuck. It was basically like, um, um, oh shoot, like uh, like the, like the Scrooge story, but like with like a bunch of ghosts in them, like stuck in this like mansion. Well, yeah, the ghosts were like trying to teach him a lesson. Mm-hmm. They they were like you know, it was like a married couple ghost, but right. ghosts. Actually, yeah, actually, I, I think it was called. I think it was called Christmas Carol. Okay, yeah, that sounds yeah. sounds familiar. But yeah, yeah, no, that one was actually because that one that is like confirmed, <laughs> confirmed paranormal activity because you see it through their lens. Yeah, very yes. cool stuff. I yeah. like it. All right, well, coming uh, fall twenty twenty four. 
but I don't think I don't think we're we're gonna be getting any more X Files like shows. I think um, Jillian Anderson is definitely yeah. she's done. She says she's not gonna uh, return and play um, Scully anymore. Well, I mean they. But David Duchovny said that about Mulder also, you know, and look what happened. Well, it just all depends on how you do it. Because, I mean, what what would have been the, the latest in, incarnation? Um, they did that, like, small TV arc, and then before that there was the movie. Um, the, the, la- the second movie, which was a bit meh. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that there's a need, really. But... I do think that that's something, as long as you find the proper uh, actors to it, it's something that you could easily reboot. Well, what's, um, what was it? Robbie Amell, I believe, right? Stephen Amell's younger brother, I believe. He showed up as, oh, agent, was it Einstein? Anyways, it was like basically like, the younger versions of Mulder and Scully that showed up in the second like um, event series thing basically that happened just a few several years ago whatever right Um, I mean I wouldn't mind following them around I mean it kind of had like the same kind of spirit kind of vibe as as what we had in like the original show so I mean it it could work but I mean of course we want Mulder and Scully I mean it's Mulder and Scully I mean come on yeah, I, I think the only thing about that is uh, that show really pushed boundaries in, in TV. I don't necessarily know if that's as, as open anymore. Because in order to really have that show, you got to push it. It's not a comedy. There were comedic elements, but it's a scary show. It's a creepy, it's an unsettling show uh, without being like overtly gory. Yeah. Um, they put yeah they pushed a lot of boundaries there but made just excellent television so they did eh, I would never shut the door on it yeah. but well yeah and and Chris Carter I mean the the creator right of the show even talked about how the X Files like really did a, a a really good job apparently of of showing um, of sewing not and showing I guess a lot of um, Distrust with um, like public officials and government and <laughs> science and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's like that's quintessential '90s right there. So, yeah, hardcore, hardcore. Anyway, I will say though, as much as like Trek inspired uh, technological ideas, I wonder how many people from the '90s are like, I want to go join the FBI. You know, that's a great that's a great point. Um, I don't think I've I don't remember if I've told this to you or, or if I've said this on on air to like even the listeners, but um, I, I I well I I mean I, I went into ROTC like I became an Air Force cadet specifically because of Stargate SG one. Oh, okay, yeah, there you go. Nice. So I mean, I'm not so dense to to believe that like yes in Cheyenne Mountain you know in Colorado that there's an actual Stargate there could be Pla- plausible deniability I mean exactly. they made a show within the show you never know exactly. that could have been like a double blind <laughs> boom but no like I mean that's that was the honest to God reason like why I joined like 
um, that, I mean, not, not just that, but like my family, uh, we have like a lot of love for the air force and we've got a lot of, um, air force people as part of our family. And like my dad, mm-hmm. like said that if he ever wanted, if he was ever going to join the military, that he'd want to join the air force and that he'd want me to join the air force. So there was a lot of, um, a lot of stuff going into that decision, but I think SG one was certainly the thing that made that final decision for me. So did you play a lot of sand volleyball when you were? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's yeah. Navy, but I mean the Na- Navy plays shirtless sand well, volleyball. You know, planes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to. A- I'll have to ask. Uh, uh, the Navy guy that I know, I'm like, so what was it like? Did y'all just find these like random beaches, take your shirt off, and go and play some some sand volleyball? <laughs> like, is, is that what you're doing? Did you play a little Kenny Loggins in the background? <laughs> in the back of every naval car is a volleyball in a net. Standard issue. Standard issue. Goodness. <laughs> Oh. Well, now that we've made fun of our armed forces, expounded upon X Files, <laughs> I salute you. We should probably <laughs> we should probably talk about this now, huh? Maybe. Oh, good grief! All right, everyone. Well, now that we, yes, now that David has described exactly what we just did, this is your red alert. Uh, we are about to go into spoiler territory as we talk about the uh, second book in the Star Trek Coda series. The Ashes of Tomorrow by James Swallow. And um, again, we're going to, uh, we might just like end up just spoiling stuff just for the heck of it. So we'll, we'll weave in and out of that. But, um, you know, last time that we were, we had our, um, our book discussion, of course, it was for uh, Moments Asunder, which is the thing that kicked off this, this um, particular series. And the first one, um, there's a lot of stuff that's like going like at a breakneck speed, essentially, uh, with Moments Asunder. This one, I think, really slows it down, and it, it accelerates at times, and then it camps out on ideas for a long time. Major emphasis on long time camping out on stuff. So if, if that's your, your kind of thing, then this book is right up your alley. Um, so... If if we might we I don't know how this discussion is going to go just by virtue of how this story is laid out, but it is what it is. I mean, do, do you agree with that, David? <sighs> yeah, I mean it, it's no no disrespect to the writer, but it is definitely a middle book, and it did drag on at times. And it introduced some themes that I'm not necessarily excited about, um, while also exploring characters that I don't know. I know them by name, but I don't know these characters. Like these iterations of the characters? Yeah. Gotcha. Now, I said, I'm pretty sure during... Our last uh, review, book review, mm-hmm. book club, whatever, that I had the feeling like we would be exploring this time line, branch, 
whatever thing. Yeah. And then the twist, the swerve would be that this timeline has to be sacrificed in order to reach us back to what we know as our prime timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I have zero idea. You've said this is like 20 year build up type of books and writers and all that stuff. I don't recognize any of these characters anymore from what I know from essentially the shows right. for the most part. Um, I, I mean, for example, Vedic Kira, what are we talking about? What makes zero sense to me? Now, I know that she went into the gardens and tended some roots and had fun with uh, Burial, but what what is she called? The, the Hand of the Prophets, I believe? Yeah. Okay, I can get that, but in, in that religious a role, I, I don't, I don't, I just don't see it. Because again, I haven't followed this storyline, but that's, that's what, it's so off-putting for me. But then when we look at Bashir, who, who comes in, Bashir, yeah, okay, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> totally yeah. makes sense why he is what he is now. That that wasn't surprising. So there's some surprises and some non-surprises for me, which which is gratifying, I guess, to get that. But man, we just needed all the characters, Avengers, assemble. No, no, no. We, no you you gotta wait for the very end for that, man. You, you gotta wait until you're like staring Thanos and. And the Chitari and all them like straight up in the face before you say that. Little, uh, who, uh, who else can we assemble? I'm sure there's more. We've already assembled. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. But you, but but yeah. No, I I do agree. It was um, a bit of slodge at times. Other times is a bit breakneck. Um, and then really the biggest thing is. We don't really see the Davidians at all. Hardly at all in this. Like they're Nagas. they're like they're, re- they're referred to. Yeah. That like that like they're like name dropped like here and there like why they're they might be an issue, but like in terms of like actionable stuff, like next to nothing essentially. Yeah. Became a lot more political. Boy, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. This yeah. was this was very much uh, a political, very very political. Um, so the last book, um, with with moments asunder, we have Picard who um, essentially is saying, "Get me in contact with Admiral Riker," um, and we gotta we gotta talk to him and you know kind of bring him up to speed, you know, apprise him of whatever is is going on with Davidians and um, essentially like that's more or less like where we're picking up with um with everyone i mean we're we're still dealing with like some of the changes that have happened with some of the members like such as um uh, picard and um beverly's son right um like what's happened with him in this particular story we're being brought into starfleet to kind of talk about what to do about the situation and then someone just being a complete um just ass to 
well, to Picard. All of them are, though. Right. All all of them are. And the, again, it, it's kind of an overused trope. And it's not in Trek. It, it's everywhere. Where you have uh, tenured authority figures. Uh, what's the quote? Absolute power corrupts, corrupts absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's always that axiom that gets used, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's a minor criticism, but it's a criticism for me because I read, like I actually do read, uh, and I am reasonably well-read. It's just so used, like they don't want to listen to the problem. And this, again, this is part of my problem, like I explained in the first book. Why is Captain Picard not an admiral? Why is he not Admiral Picard? Still makes zero sense to me. And it feels like we're crossing Picard from tapestry. Hmm. Like where he's settled. And he isn't advancing anymore, which doesn't make any sense to me. I, I said that last time. You have Admiral Riker, but not Admiral Picard. Sure. Now. But the fact that they don't listen to him about this this issue. I mean, they listen, but they they uh, rule against him. Yeah. Doesn't make much sense to me. So yeah, twenty. This is twenty three eighty seven when this is taking place. Um, and there's like, of course, just like Moments Asunder, there's two pages or six minutes worth of of narration to kind of tell you all the story points that are bringing it to the point in which we are now. Um, yeah, I realized I realized to skip through that real quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for the record, I, I said this last time. I have not read the 20 years worth of books and of the of like the star trek lit verse a lot of that is um like this like it's the entirety of like the star trek um titan book series that you and i had planned on on tackling yeah. at one point um and so many others like of course like the other ones that they list in these books like we haven't read them so like we have no freaking clue what's going on and i think i mentioned last time that um this is a lot like um the 2005 um revival essentially of doctor who at least that's how i've approached it like you don't need like to have watched all you know however many seasons 20 some odd seasons of of doctor who to be able to understand what's going on it might might help with like other nitpicky stuff but anyway so we're 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 kind of having like that slow burn kind of talking about like what's like bring like connecting like moments of sunder to now to um Ashes of Tomorrow, the second book, and we we have like this. Um, I don't think we're jumping in too far to like talk about like going to Starfleet, right? I mean, that's like right there at the beginning. Like, yeah. it's almost inconsequential. So, um, it's like this this moral dilemma, this moral conundrum, whatever quandary of like what do we do you know because like Picard is like dead set on we need to go after him 
we need to we need to take them out basically we need to protect the timelines and everyone's like well what about the other timelines essentially like we can't worry about a timeline that hasn't happened yet and they're basically trying to give us a lesson in temporal mechanics essentially yeah so like that was just like annoying like to me that was just a little bit of an of um, an annoying thing just because of how repetitive it was becoming with each page with each minute i was listening to this thing well it's it's so small-minded too because here's the thing let's say that you do uh i don't know save your timeline somehow they're going to go to different timelines because as as we kind of learn much later in the book about the nagas is that in a weird way like their appearance is like an amalgamation of these creatures from all the timelines so there's technically like infinite nagas like there's no really infinaga yeah <laughs> okay yeah i mean there there's there there's no really there's there's no counting there's always just another supply of them so the fact is is that they could still destroy the entire tree of time what do you think you're going to be the new tree of time again this is part of the temporal aspect of this series that i don't like and that's what led me to the guardian of forever discussion that we had in last week and even the prophet discussion that i would like to have this week as well sure so I just think there are fixed points that you have to kind of like a gardener you prune and, and you keep healthy and if you don't you just really muddled things up a lot but again just uh, going back to Starfleet here it's just so small minded to think that you're the only timeline that matters and how do you expect to go up against the entirety of time <laughs> like you're, you don't understand the scope of time apparently so I, I, I don't know the, the whole thing the whole thing was really kind of like just it was head shaking for me it's sure. like, oh, this is so this is so brutal man so brutal yeah well, and we and we had um, we had some very, I mean, book versus show versions of the characters. Like, like just let's leave that alone for a second. Like, we know how sure. characters are supposed to be, and we have we have um, someone who we think is supposed to be in Picard's corner, be in Picard's back pocket, essentially, just ignoring the heck out of him. Um, at the yeah. outset and like not even cluing him in um, as to the direction that something might go and like trying to provide a rationale and that is of course Admiral Riker through all this stuff like they served together for 15 years for crying out loud yeah. you would think that like regardless of rank that there's that like that friendship right there's like that collegiality that you know that goes beyond just duty like they these men know each other like you're gonna throw each other a bone for crying out loud but it just seems so uncharacteristic uh and we kind of touch on that like a little bit later as to partly why 
uh, for a multitude of reasons. But I, that just really rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm not just saying that because I like Riker, but it just, I mean, beyond plot saying that it had to happen, I just, it really rubbed me the wrong way. No, I'm with you there, and I don't like the explanation either. Yeah. I, I, th- I think it, um, it's another thing that doesn't make sense. Do you remember the movie The One? I think I mentioned this in our last podcast. Jet Li, right? Yeah, Jet Li. So evil Jet Li kills all other Jet Li's so he can be the one Jet Li to rule them all. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is, is when a Jet Li is destroyed, he is, he's gone. The energy is effectively absorbed. But the whole, I mean, do we want to spoil that? (laughs) I mean, we can. Well, we get with Worf. Much later on, it's not really consequential to the storyline, I don't think. So I don't, I don't think it really blasts off the plot. But he is having all these visions, right? We talked about it in the last book. Um, and what it winds up being is the... Echoes of prior dead wharfs are trying to take this timeline's wharf's place in the timeline, but they're dead. So how would they do that? Uh, and then with the help of Spock, which coincidentally, if there is a Spock and Worf book out there, I want to read that because yeah, that go. sounded more interesting than everything. Like they mind melded at one point. Sweet. Let's figure that that artifact <laughs> find him book. I want to find that book if there's one. But so with the help of Spock, he battles himself from other timelines. But they're dead. Mm-hmm. They're they're gone. They're not existent anymore. Mm-hmm. Now I would have a, an easier time with the idea of wharfs that are currently in peril. Right or are currently still alive in timelines, but because the Davidians are collapsing timelines, that that could create some cross-pollination among timelines, and he's literally seeing himself die over and over and over again. That would make more sense to me than already dead Smoky Wharves coming and trying to do what? Smoke him to death? Yeah. It's like we're gonna put some nice, nice rub on you. Put you, put you on some applewood. Yeah, like when, when this war, when this wharf thing was happening, I was like, I was, like the first thing that comes to mind is parallels, the episode parallels from uh, Next Gen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which, yeah. which makes sense. Like, I mean, that's like a wharf-centric episode. There's, like, in fact, there's an entire scene of like random, like, um, like transparent. Uh, quantum wharfs like moseying about even a shuttle pot for crying out yeah. loud. Yeah. So this was like very much at the front of my mind whenever whenever we're in this part of, of the book with Worf and even more so like later on in different parts of the book too. Um, yeah, kind of weird. Kind of weird. But, I but that's basically what's affecting Riker as well. Exactly. Essentially. Or yeah. what we're led to believe. What we're led to believe is is impacting Riker in all the shenanigans, all the things that he does throughout this particular book. Which, 
I, I mean, look, I can I can deal with like a good you know goatee and like a, a mustache twirling, um, you know, Star Trek character like anyone else can, especially Eric. But this was like the way that a lot of characters were handled in this book. And and look, I don't want it to seem like I'm just completely shatting all over this this story. Shat shatnering. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is a pretty decent book, okay? But like there's just like a lot of like head scratching, like why kind of kind of moments with with just some of the story points. Um but yeah, like just how how much they dialed up like to eleven, like the the mustachioed stuff was just a little much for me. Yeah. But essentially, you know, past that meeting, Picard effectively goes rogue. The whole book, look, look, the whole everyone and anyone. Basically, like, look, if you, if this is your book, if you want a Picard goes rogue story, like, seriously, it says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Book two, book two of this, it's like, instead of Ashes of Tomorrow, it should say Rogue Picard. To Rogue Picard. Uh, yeah, exactly. There are. Hold on, hold on. I'm gonna uh, um, just just keep talking. I'll give you a topic. Chicken nuggets are neither chicken nor nuggets. Discuss. <laughs> now listen, chicken nuggets are totally chicken. It's just you know it's just beaten pulverized chicken, breaded, and then dipped in sauce. The old nuggies. Everybody loves a good nugget. Kids, adults. Adults who think they're kids, kids who think they're adults, grandparents, dogs. I'm a big fan of dino-shaped nuggets. I'm convinced they taste better. (laughs) Was that enough stalling for you? (laughs) Yes, it was. So there are 16 chapters, and these are massive-sized chapters, by the way. Yeah. This is, uh, um, so 16 chapters, um, with it being about, what was it, like 340-some-odd pages long, including the epilogue? Yeah, 342 pages, including an epilogue. Um, so it's it's pretty decent. But I would say of the 16 content chapters, you're probably looking at about 13 of them being Rogue Picard. Well, yeah. Yeah, plotting the plan out on Ch- Chateau Picard. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, when has Picard ever said Mondu anywhere, aside from a book? Has he ever said that in the show? Actually, I think he did say at least once. Uh, I think that's a lie. No. <laughs> Eric's yelling at us right now. He's like, "Yeah, it was this? It was this season? This episode? This time?" Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. So, sometimes. <laughs> well, that's actually something I could talk about. Are some of the voices? The, the, the Picard's still a little bit mad, but ooh, that Benjamin Cisco. You don't like didn't it. Work for me. Didn't work for me. You have to talk a certain way when you're when it's inflection with Ben. I just needed more, more Cisco. Anyway, yes, mainly Rogue Picard assembling the team. Tom Paris is going rogue. Him and Blana are going rogue. Crusher's going rogue. Jordy's going rogue. Spock's going rogue. Data's going rogue. Oh look, there's Lore or uh, uh, no, Before. not Lore. No, uh, the daughter. Lol. 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 Yeah. Yes. Laugh out loud. 
uh, you know, just going rogue. <laughs> uh, uh, Captain Guy Bauer, who's who's a person uh, somehow, is going rogue. Christine Vale, not going rogue, but she should have. <laughs> Deanna Troy, basically going rogue. Uh, everybody's going rogue in this. Uh, you, you know, Vedicura's going go rogue. rogue. Everybody goes rogue. I mean, Jake Sisko going rogue with his wife, who's probably also been rogue. Uh, <laughs> y- y- Yoshi, you know, he's he's going rogue. Oh man, oh boy, Nog, he's going sort of rogue, mm-hmm. <laughs> doing stuff. You know, yeah, it's it's basically going rogue. Essentially, that's it's yeah, basically. Um, did you did you like that they pulled as many names out of the hat as they did in this book? I I mean honestly I lost track. I was like, I was like I, I was trying I was like trying to keep a roster of like what the heck was going on. I'm like okay, so who's on whose team? Who's on first? Who's on first? Uh, I mean like when, when, by the time we got to, by the time we get to this little <sighs> dinner party. I'm like effectively confused as all get out. Like with who's doing what, who's on what's team. Yeah. Every everything. Um, yeah, it, it it was it was difficult. Like just it was re- it was I was having a really hard time keeping up with it. And th- so so with this this particular this particular story, I <laughs> I <laughs> David knows this. I had to uh, go on a little road trip. And uh, I listened to the entire book in one day and uh, came back and, and was reading through some of it. But even like reading through some of it, like still left me like a little confused with some stuff. But yeah, I effectively listened to the entire audiobook in, in one road trip. And that, that was great. That was great. Um, can we talk about um, Picard and his masterminding plans? In terms of like how he's able to be like three steps ahead of everyone, in terms of like um, getting the slip on people, or is that too spoiler territory? You think? Mm, no, I mean I don't think it's too spoilery, but it also was done in a movie. I mean that didn't sound for me. Did it was. Serious question. This is like a Twitter poll right here. Was anybody surprised? <laughs> no. W- 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 which which movie was that from? Um, it wasn't. Um, they switch uh, the ships. Oh, they're taking Excelsior. No, they took yeah, the Enterprise. Yeah, uh, that's was that um, under Sc- or, uh, no, that, that's uh, Search for Spock. Gotcha. There we go. But literally the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. It's such a fan service moment. I liked it, but it was like, this happened, and he even had a Kirk protocol. It's like, you knew this was going to happen, but apparently you didn't know the entire story. So, so, okay, so what you're referring to is the second time that Picard is, like, thinking, like, three steps ahead of people. Like, the... True, 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 sorry, go ahead. So, yeah, Yeah. this happens multiple times in this book. Um, True, yeah. First time, it's um, what on on the Titan, I believe, right? Like they they actually go to like talk to to uh, Riker about something, and Vale is you know Vale's the captain and he's the 
he's the um, it's his flagship so he's there in his his little room doing his thing and you know Picard's basically what being arrested essentially being brought up on charges and like trying to get the heck out of Dodge um, because of like this dinner party just having dinner with friends and Riker knows better that you know you don't you don't just have dinner with friends basically <laughs> You only played cards with us once, once. Picard. <laughs> Just once. And you're having dinner parties without me? How dare you? And effectively does this whole switcheroo thing. Like, I, I, I mean, look, I can I can enjoy a good story. Like, I want Picard to win. But I also want, I want Riker to win just because I like Riker. But I don't like mustache twirling Riker. And... Well, if, if he's a mere Riker, he would have no beard. So there would be no twirling whatsoever. That's He'd true. be smooth as, as an android's bottom. That's right. Um, <laughs> but, well, and, and again, I, I think that that boils down to the deterioration of Riker's kind of mind, right? If maybe he was a little bit more cognizant, he probably wouldn't have fallen for that do you think because he does know Picard really well and again it's, as I just illustrated the tricks aren't really new no they're so, not no they're not yeah but I, just, I mean I, I just thought it was I mean it's good I mean it was, it was some creative writing for sure but I guess just for me, like twice in one book, um, I don't know. It was it was just a little much for me. Um, sure. I, I and it was like especially like the second time that it happens towards the end with uh, with Picard was so convoluted. Um, with with well, how the second time happened. was with with the, you're talking about like at the very end of the book, very end like with transporters yeah, and yeah, everything. Yeah. 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 yeah that was. Um, yeah, that was pretty convoluted. And they effectively like reused the plot line from Relics to make it happen. Ah, yes. Very true. Very true. There you go. I don't know. I mean, I think that... Um, I love Picard. But... I also kind of wish they just didn't have such wide a cast. Yeah. Like with the show, like Picard, the show. It's Picard and a little crew. That's that's good. This is Picard plus every other show minus like Janeway. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just minus Janeway. Um. I think you've said it. I've said it. The book just feels convoluted. It, it uh, too full. It's too 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 much, especially for like a middle book. Yeah, but, but like, but I, I mean, I've heard some other folks say this. I don't think that this book is necessarily needing or trying to be like a like a signpost kind of story, but it kind of is. You know, um, it, well, what what is the uh, what is the advancement of the story? 
See, that's that's literature. What is, what does this book do to advance the story? Because as you, you you have kind of illustrated, it's Picard going rogue, going rogue, having meetings, picking up new friends, and then what? We don't we don't really see the Davidians. There are Naga attacks still. We've learned that they have adapted to some of our existing tactics, so they're yep. learning. But then there's one big event, right? There's only one big event, but it's at the end of the book. So how does this how does this advance the the arc? The only the and, only thing. Go ahead. Now the the only other thing I was going to add is that typically a book like this would be used to build characters that you don't necessarily know but we know all these characters so we don't need character building like the arc with Worf I mean it's kind of interesting but did I need that? I don't think I needed it I would have been more okay with oh yeah by the way we did find chronoton radiation some or whatever the heck it was that that said he was in a different universe he had a static warp shell I don't know man I do want that to come back I said that the other day anyway just sciencey terms it's good stuff just science stuff but just making a connection that universes are collapsing timelines are collapsing okay great let's give uh, Worf you know 10 cc's of antiprovaline and let's get on with it you know what I mean I just didn't really understand how that expands or moves the story forward. And there's only, again, to my point, one part at the very end that potentially moves the story forward. Sure, sure. Yeah, this... Um, I, I think I, I said this to you like that night that I, I actually finished the book that um, and, and may, maybe it's unfair I don't know if you're going to agree or disagree but this was to me this was very much like um, like the Empire Strikes Back um, essentially like in terms of like heaviness and um, not a whole lot of winning taking place for the good guys and that's probably painting with really broad strokes, but that's that's a pretty yeah yeah. But in the Empire Strikes Back, Luke's lear- Luke learns how to be a Jedi. <laughs> you know? I'm, and well, and and Cisco learns to uh, be buddy buddy and chums with uh, with Picard. So, spoilers. I mean, kind of, <laughs> <laughs> kind of, sorta. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, there's no, there's no, like, uh, seagull stop it now or anything like that in this particular book. But this is, I mean, this is like a, a, a pretty, not, not dark in terms of, like, evil, but, like, just dark in terms of, like, weightiness. Like, there's very, very much this mental health component to this entire story. Not just with, what we see and what we read about like with Worf and even with Riker but even with Bashir being with um, a certain other character um, 
Garrick shows up, guys. If you like Garrick, read it. Okay, Garrick's in this. Um, but like, even with Bashir, like there for like, like that really long chapter or two that like that we were focusing on Bashir and Garrick, I was like, what the heck happened to the brother man? Like seriously, yeah. like what happened to him? Like freaking like catatonic essentially. Right. Yeah, you, and you're right. It, it is a very heavy book. Um, it, it doesn't feel like there's much hope, even towards the end for our larger event. We're we're effectively reaching into the realm of prophecy, where it seems like prophecy is being fulfilled that we're all pretty much screwed. You know what I mean? So, while there was a resolution at the end of the book, it's not really a resolution. So there's still that that unease that nothing's been resolved really and that we're still in a grave amount of danger and now we've lost more friends mm-hmm. along the way for what precisely so yeah welcome welcome to the show everyone <laughs> um all right are there any other like major story beats that we need to to talk through and, and cover? Uh, I mean, only if you want me to complain more about fixed points in time or the fact that they may or may not have uh, axed one of my favorite characters. Well, did they? Yes, they did. And they also made a fool of another one. Listen, they killed Miles O'Brien. I hated that. I, I mean, it, it was very classic Miles O'Brien, exactly how I'd expect Miles to go out, but I hated it to death. It was super just... felt like it was very unneeded. It felt like a Game of Thrones thing. Like a Rob Stark, he's just like, he's having his meal, his wife gets stabbed, and he gets killed. It's like, oh, fantastic, great, no more Miles. Master Chief Halo Miles O'Brien. That's right, uh, that's right. Got promoted. That was, that's such a dumb t- Master, uh, what is it? I know it was like Master Chief, but there was more to it. It's like, just just give him a commander, just make him take the test, for the love of God. But the other one, though... Ro Laren. Ro Laren is with Quark? That, that, yeah, that admit, no. That doesn't make any sense. I, I really enjoyed Ro Laren. I enjoyed that character a lot. I wish they would have made a bigger deal out of her. I think she would have been, and she's the captain of new DS9. I mean, my God, what an addition she could have made to the later seasons of DS9. Like, I think that would have been sick <laughs> to well, have her know, just show up. I don't know if you knew this or not, um, but um, Michelle Forbes was originally offered to be um, like top billing or base, basically on, D, on Deep Space Nine. Don't but, tell me that, Chase. I don't I don't need to get into fan fiction today. <laughs> but she was I mean, they were originally going to build a lot of the show around her character. Uh, for Deep Space Nine, but Michelle Forbes turned the role down, which is why we have um, Nana Visitor for uh, the role of Kira. 
Well, I mean, I, I think that that was the right call, but I, I, I mean, I, th I think that she would have been really cool like later. Be well, here's the thing. How did we resolve the Maquis thing? Was that ever resolved? Because she left. Right. I mean... I, mean, I like, suppose it was in some book somewhere. Probably, but like there was, I mean, I mean in show, I mean like you had like a lot of like that Jean Valjean thing going back and forth between Cisco mm -hmm. and, um, shoot, really. Anyway, you had you had that going back and forth uh, for a while, like with like the like the, with dragging out the, the Maquis stuff. Yeah. But mm -hmm. but essentially, like the the Maquis, like we don't really do too much with it uh, except for like Voyager obviously like that side of it's kind of resolved but then like we go into like Dominion War conflict and like that they're sprinkled in for the most part so Dominion right. War takes a lot of, of the front seat um, instead of the Maquis which is, which I'm completely fine with but anyway Rolaire on DS9 would have been cool but yeah just the whole thing with Quark was really kind of weird I do like Quark I think he's a he, he's like a decent character who is actually very compassionate towards his friends and everything, but he's a Ferengi. I mean, it is what it is. But yeah, that was that was pretty difficult too. That actually felt pretty well written, pretty weighty when they uh, were both uh, both killed as well. I didn't feel as much on a couple of the other ones, but th those three I, I really felt quite a bit of. Yes, yeah. that, that was decent. I didn't want it to happen, but I mean. I mean, we're going to chop this timeline off anyway, so it's, it's fine. We'll see him again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The fact that, you know, um, Miles O'Brien is, is command master chief. You know, he's he goes from a gold shirt to a red shirt basically now uh, with Deep Space Nine 2. And just, just all like the back and forth of, I thought we'd be friends. Um, like for the entire story, I don't know if anyone's ever seen um, Little Monsters or anything. I thought we'd be friends, Brian. Uh, <laughs> that that um, was that Howie Mandel says that to Fred Savage in that movie. Um, <clears throat> moving on, uh, and then we get like some weird other timeline stuff. Um, I, okay, okay. Before before we get to the end of this. I gotta talk about Wesley for a second. I just got to. Oh, you mean non-existent Wesley Crusher who was completely nerfed? There's that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like sorry. the fact <laughs> that that Wesley essentially is like, no, yeah, I went, and I went, and I borrowed one of my other selves to make this happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dude. You said that couldn't happen. What What the heck, man? Yeah. Wesley took a, a big, for me, a big backseat. Because, like, in the first book, he was, I'm Traveler Wesley Crusher. I have weapons. I know things. I have an Omnicron. I know all. I was old and died, but now I am reborn. Mm. And he comes back, and he's just such a minor, almost kind of like old Ensign Wesley Crusher again, just... For sure. Oh, Data, yes, you have computed so much that I don't know. Let's type on a computer, you know. that. But yeah, the, the alternate timeline Wesley's, that was... Um, that was kind of strange. It, again, like, 
in my own little brain where I, you know, like to imagine scenarios and think of endings to books and all that stuff. Like I still, I mean, I, I, it's not really a joke. I still do believe that the end all for this, this particular timeline is to be sacrificed for other timelines and Wesley must then jump to another timeline for the benefit of another Wesley Crusher. So he's he's going he's to do, do like a little quantum leap action. I've been attempting to say quantum leap so many times throughout this episode, just like Worf, Worf quantum leaps into Worf wearing a dress, uh, Riker quantum leaps into JFK, uh, you know, just, it, it, yes, exactly like quantum but i mean the thing is is like i i almost kind of wish they had made wesley the hero of the book it would make the most sense yeah but they've switched it so much to picard but like wesley was the traveler he he sort of discovered this he figured it out he came to this timeline and now he's taken a back seat to Data Spock, Jordy Worf, Picard, you know, Will Riker, Christine Vale, Cisco, uh, you know, just go on and on and on. And then he does something with a ship. And that, yeah. <laughs> something. But, yeah, I don't know if I particularly care for that or not. But yeah, the alternate timeline, Wesley's, again, man, time's really fast and loose here. Yeah, I mean, they they were saying that they couldn't that he couldn't do that mm-hmm. in the first book, and then it's like, Psh, hold my beer, I got this, type of thing. That, I mean that. Mm, anyway, yeah. Anyway. Well, actually, interesting question. I think a few of the Wesleys were killed. Do we know if we actually got the West the first Wesley we started out with, or is it a different Wesley? I think we do have like the prime. Wesley. Or is it Chase? Or does the Prime think they're the Prime? <laughs> exactly. Or the secondary think I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What's Prime anyway? <laughs> What's the service with, with this one online shipping company? Ah, yes. Yes, very true. Where Video get, service, I hear, yeah. Yeah, they have that well. too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look, look. Wesley does some weird stuff, especially with how the book ends with Wesley doing some weird stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, not only that, but we, for any, anyone out there that is a Dr. Catherine Pulaski hater. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. She shows up and she's actually not that bad. So if, if you still have any room in your heart for Dr. Pulaski, she shows up, she shows out, and that's all that's all I'm gonna say. She she really does does crush her and Dr. Trapa um a, a solid in this particular yeah. book. Yeah, that's funny. I had completely forgotten she was briefly in this book. Mm-hmm. Good mm-hmm. times. Old Pulaski. I didn't really mind her season two. She was no. okay. After yeah. she got over her bigotry of androids. <laughs> Only after she had huge character growth. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then was promptly replaced. <laughs> we'll show you. <laughs> we'll show you. 
You know, so can I can I complain can I complain though about fixed points in time yet, Chase? Go ahead. Get on get after it, make it so. Alright, so listen. The prophets. The prophets don't live in time. There's no linear time for them. Exactly. So if you kill the prophets, you kill the prophets. Right? So technically, technically, that would mean that there is no point that the Davidians or their Nagas can get through because they were using the Celestial Temple to get through. They can't do that now, can they? You know, last time we had this long, drawn-out discussion about quantum mechanics and how it works with string theory? I feel like that's about to be this conversation. I don't want to harp on it too much, but it does it it, it, it does pick at my brain, though. Because in, in, specifically, though, the prophets know that they are going to be destroyed and they are ready to sacrifice themselves for the betterment of the timeline, Bejor, or whatever. If they're dead, they're dead. They're non-linear beings. But what happens if we sacrifice this timeline? Does timeline triple X over here have profits in it? I don't see that as possible. Just like I don't see it as possible that the Guardian could just be killed over and over and over again. I do not like that mechanic of this story. Yeah. It bugs me. And I guess, like, the thing I just keep thinking is, like, who's observing the time, right? Like, you know, this is where my brain's going to start hurting. Yours is probably already hurting with this stuff. We, it's, we, don't, have, we don't have to go through it again. It just, it's, just, it's just another potential focal point in time that I just, I can't. Because, again, we could talk about who would be the observer of time, so to speak. Sure. So let's just say Q's up here, like <clears throat> looking at the time tree, and is like, "Ooh, this is a really cool time tree." Oh, look, they killed the prophets, or something like that. The prophets don't just exist in this time; they exist anywhere and everywhere because, right. it, again, they're non-linear. They don't have a concept of of time, non-linear time, or t linear time. Right. So if they are destroyed, conceivably, they would be nowhere. Which also presents a problem, depending on how you look at that, because Cisco is the product of the prophets. So if the prophets don't exist in linear time and they are destroyed, does that also destroy them in the past? Because again, they're non-linear. Hmm. Past, present, future, it, it's all the same. Which would mean that Cisco would be Marty McFly. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I need to go that far, but it just it's an interesting thought because again, they're non-linear. I mean, you do make a good point though. You do make a good point. Like if especially if we're going by um freaking back to the future rules of time travel <laughs> if you kiss your mother and you're never born God, that'd be terrible <laughs> Ooh, and but, disgusting all at the same time 
I, I just I think I have a bigger problem with the prophets than I do the Guardian, even though I, I see them in the same way. I just think the Guardian could potentially as an anchor point, but is also like a shatter point as well, where it would physically manifest in all timelines, but it's still in and of itself its own focal point. But the prophets being nonlinear, I think the Guardian could understand linear time and live within linear time. But the prophets are not. They don't have a concept of it. So if you destroy them once, just by my own little non-educated, uh, non-degreed, non-college, uh, I'm not a space alien, I've never been abducted and learned all their all their uh, secrets or anything like that. I've never been to Area 51. Okay. But all I'm saying is that it, it, it does kind of bring up a bit of a uh, just a little nitpick that these creatures, these beings or whatever, being gone for me would mean they are gone permanently. They're gone forever. And if they are gone, what happens to the wormhole? Because the wormhole is technically linear. It's a, it's a point. But the, the whole reason... And again, I could be talking at this point out of my rear end, but this is where the prophets live. So conceivably, if they are gone, would there even be a wormhole left? And if there was, would it be the same wormhole? I mean, that's that's a very valid point. I mean, I guess like the one perspective is, um, let's leave like, back to the future time travel stuff and causality reality whatever stuff aside if we just like if we go at it from a very basic understanding like the prophets see you later that's where they lived see you later well just because like the tenants move out doesn't mean that the building ceases to exist necessarily so ostensibly right like the 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 wormhole the the celestial temple everything's fine no big deal but if we do go by like um you know like bootstrap or um grandfather paradox or you know back to the future whatever type stuff um then yeah how would the the wormhole have potentially even existed to begin with if the prophets potentially even create, if they were the ones that created the wormhole potentially as the celestial temple, which then became known as the, the wormhole of the gamma quadrant. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, I mean, you're making some very valid, valid points. I mean, I think they're, they're definitely head scratchers. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to go down a path, but I don't know how, um, some listeners would, um, respond to it. I think I'm going to go there. So humor me for a second. From a, regardless of whether you subscribe to it or not, like you, David, um, the listeners, um, from a faith tradition, okay, particularly a biblical worldview, um, the Judeo-Christian God is... Uh, viewed as existing past, present, future simultaneously through all of time and space, essentially. So just because this 
the, the Judeo-Christian God uh, <clears throat> of the Christian tradition, right? Um, if, if they were to no longer exist, it doesn't necessarily mean that the whole of the universe would stop existing either, um, based on the claim that that God is the one that you know created, formed, fashioned the the universe, the world, and all of its properties into existence. So just because just because they occupy all of time and space simultaneously doesn't necessarily mean that the things that happened in the past can no longer exist in the past because the person that occupied it is no longer around. Is that making sense? Yeah, and, and that was kind of more of a, a stretch, so to speak. It was basically just to get a Marty McFly reference in there. But I can dig it. But but I, I mean, I, I guess again, get, getting past that because yes, that is all very logical. The mark's already there, which means we're not erasing anything. I I'm 100% with you on that. But it, it it doesn't necessarily for me satisfy the fact that in in the scope of the wormhole is the wormhole unique or was it made unique by the prophets and if the prophets are no more is the wormhole still unique and thereby able to be utilized by the Davidians as an access point to whatever time that they want to attack sure and then conversely because it seems to be the case that they're making here then the prophets would have to die thousands, millions, billions of times over and over and over again because every timeline would have to take the same action, which is something that I don't like for them because of their non-linear existence. So I feel like if you kill them once, that's it. That, that's, what I would, that's how I would like it to be. Because again, being non-linear, you have now introduced their demise and it's a, it's the splinter it, it's just past present and future whatever happens bang they're gone 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 I'm, it I'm makes it more impactful for me from a literary sense and i'm i'm 100% picking up what you're laying down i think to maybe muddy the waters and make this even more sinister question mark <laughs> is you know wouldn't it be be something though if these non-linear beings in terms of their understanding like they might have this understanding of being non-linear but wouldn't it be something to have them die multiple times and to effectively mess with their mind mess with their own like literally give them an existential crisis of, of what's going on by them having to like experience multiple infinite deaths over and over again for these Davidians who are who are playing the zero sum game with all of existence I don't know I don't know that's just something that was yeah, coming to mind yeah I I, I, could, I I get that I get that could be interesting as well but I think I would also backtrack on just one final thing here for timey wimey things <laughs> so are we saying or concluding that if we destroy the Davidian, the Davidians in one timeline 
they are then destroyed? Or does it have to be done over and over and over again? Which would then start a contentious point of there would be no contact between timelines. Which Mm. would then start to be contradicted by beings like the Travelers. Because there clearly is a way to connect them. Sure. Timelines. Multidimensional universes, they're all in some way connected or could be connected. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the argument in this in this book is that we need to track them down, we need to find them and kill them once and for all. And we but need see, to go, that, that, and we, and we need to go to the hub and we need to go to the yeah. hub to do it. True, but that that again, that becomes my point for the Guardian, for the prophets. If it can be done to the Davidians, it could also be done sure. to these other things and and again, it, it makes it far more impactful to realize that you didn't just kill the Guardian of Forever here. You killed it everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. The prophets, the the literal protectors of Bajor, they're gods. No more. Mm-hmm. You have no more. Your gods are dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the heaviest thing I have ever heard. But to think about it being done over and over and over again, it's because we are saying there is multi-time lines, is a multiverse and all this stuff. There are multiple Peter Parkers. Uh, At that point, what we're saying is there is still hope. Because, well, at least that timeline, they still have their profits. At least in that timeline, Leonard McCoy can still go screw something up in the 1940s or 30s or whatever that was. Or save his dad. Right. (laughs) Why not? Why not? But but that but that's that's the that's the thing. You could still have that, which is nice. It's a nice thought. It's not very sinister though. Okay. Man. Look at us. You, you remember you remember you remember when I really wanted characters to stay dead? <laughs> yeah, boy do I. <laughs> <laughs> no mirror first for you, Giorgio. You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh lordy well do you want to you want to go ahead and um, evaluate the book in terms of giving yeah. it a rating All did right, you let's... happen to, to save our ratings for the last one you know I didn't I don't have a, I don't have a handy dandy spreadsheet on that one okay unfortunately no biggie <laughs> so we'll do this um, we'll do this out of five <clears throat> since this is a book um, you want to go first you want me to Oh, I mean, I, I can go first. Okay. Not a not a big deal. We'll we'll definitely save the save the best for last. There. Oh, shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Ashes of Tomorrow, or Rogue Picard. Yes. Uh, Star Trek Picard goes rogue. Rogi McRogue Picard. Star Trek Picard um, into darkness. <laughs> God. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, Picard the TV series. Anyway, um, look, it wasn't as good as the first book. Uh, it was um, 
it was a table setting for things to come. I don't feel that it advanced the story very much. Uh, I enjoyed seeing some of my favorite characters. Uh, I enjoy getting Cisco back in the mix because I like I like DS9. I like the crew. I like what they did with that show, and I liked how they developed those characters. But there are also little inconsistencies that I just don't see happening. But again, that's probably because I have not spanned this journey. And uh, that's probably a bit of a detriment. Like Vedic Cura, can't see it. Don't see it, don't want to see it uh, at all. But okay, yeah, I'll accept it, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of, lot of meetings and clandestine... Uh, plans and stuff like that Uh, time madness and uh, ultimately fearing making a sacrifice that ultimately had to be made in quotation marks Um, and and more loss more more impactful losses that um, that you know that that stink not necessarily like major major characters like we're a little gun shy of like axing i mean i don't know spock yeah something like that yeah but uh but again there are some things that i I think could have been a little better but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna crap on it all that much it was fine but it was a little bit of a slog at times um, and, and it, it unfortunately said a lot without saying much that sure. uh, that's just a, a little bit critical, but it, it's kind of how I felt towards the end of the book. Now, I think it might set up a very interesting third book, which is the hope. Um, but did we really need all that setup? I, I don't, I don't know. Um, so as far as a score out of five, I'm probably thinking something like a 3.5. Okay, fair enough. This book, um, and I've I've already kind of given some of my, um, like, evaluation-type comments with this. This is, listening to this book, um, and even, like, reading, you know, reading through it as well, this is just a really like heavy book um this is not a light-hearted romp that you just go sit in a beach chair and just eat up like that's i don't see it playing out that way this is like sitting in your armchair and you want like a, a fire type of thing and like reading it in like darkness um like that's the, that's the vibe of this book essentially um there's a lot of just not exposition dump but exposition dump in this book um figure that one out by the way um okay so regardless of what you think i think the one of the i I mentioned empire strikes back for like a star wars parallel but I'll, i'll add this too regardless of what you think okay leave your 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 opinions to the side on this, okay? From a story point perspective, this book reminded me a lot, and I mean a lot, of Last Jedi. 
especially with how it concludes. Um, with having like a ragtag team there at the very end of, of Last Jedi in terms of how this particular book ends. So regardless of what your opinion is of that particular Star Wars movie, I think that's a pretty decent parallel uh, with what's going on. Um, just a lot of like dark, heavy moments. Um, I didn't, like David, I didn't enjoy this um, anywhere near as much as Moments Asunder. Moments Asunder was just fantastic. And you gotta have a lull. You gotta have like, you gotta have a breather for crying out loud. Bre- whatever the breather is. Um, you, gotta, you gotta bring it down some. Um, coming into this, I was honestly thinking, and it's, it's still in the ballpark that David's talking about. Like, I'm in like a, a three... 3-1 kind of territory with this one. Wow. Um, so, I mean, it's not a 2. It's not a 1. It's not, like, horrible. It's not a dumpster fire. Um, it's definitely below average. That's for sure, I would say. Um, but, you know, for for James Swallow, James Swallow um, writes a lot of really good books. Um, in fact, he's the one that wrote um, The Dark Veil, the second Star Trek mm. Picard book. And he wrote quite a few of the, um, I think it was quite a few, of the Star Trek Titan books as well, where we get a lot of um, Captain Admiral Riker and Christine Vale and all those characters too. So Brother Man knows how to write a book. Um, I just think that part of the writer's room when they were like all collaborating, collaborating, the three of them plus, you know, the Picard and the Discovery and all the creatives with that, like trying to connect everything, y- you got to have like something like that down that downslope kind of stuff so I think he did very well with what he was working with in the grand scheme of things do I recommend you read this book yes absolutely read this book um, just know that it's going to be a pretty heavy so just you know tread tread lightly essentially um, so that, that's that's where I'm going to camp out I'm, I'm looking forward to Oblivion's Gate which is going to be the conclusion of the Coda series um, when that comes out here um, so it drops um, end of November. So we'll be ideally uh, revealing, uh, revealing, reviewing that um, end of December ish. So um, that's that. So that's it for the book review. I know it was um, kind of short ish. I don't know if it was kind of short, but um, uh, I guess as we as we wind this down and, and start to wrap up this episode, David, you know what to expect, right? Got a freaking Twitter poll. Let's go to the Twitter poll. Let's do it. This Twitter poll is in honor of you, by the way. So here's the question. If the Guardian Forever is destroyed in one timeline, is it destroyed in every timeline once and for all? The options were yes or no. What would your answer have been? Oh, I mean, I think that's well known, yes. Okay. So um, with... 75% 75% of the vote, the answer th- that people went with was yes. Smart people. There we go. So 75% <laughs> of the vote was for yes, the Guardian Forever is destroyed once and for all if they are destroyed. Um, they're destroyed everywhere, basically. So that meant 20, obviously 25% of the vote was no. Um, did not hear. <sighs> Any comments, though? No, no comments. Ah, that's too bad. That's yeah, fine. Maybe next time. Maybe next yeah, time. Yeah, still, still, uh, yeah, kind of a definitive answer there, I guess, from from the folks. For sure. 
I don't know. It, it it's still a head scratcher. I don't I don't think that there's necessarily a right answer to that or no or not. But yeah, glad to be vindicated. There you go. Hope you feel better now. I though. I am smart. I can make things go. <laughs> Just wait. They're the they're the unlikely hero in this entire series. By the way, <laughs> pack leads are going to show up and save the day. Because because why, why not? not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> we have new technology. We've made it better. <laughs> Killed all smart. the snakes. We are smart. <laughs> Red alarm. Red alarm. <laughs> that was probably the only thing I really had a good laugh on from Lower Decks. <laughs> God, stupid red alarm. <laughs> red alarm. Uh, red alarm. Spy humongous. That's right. All right. Well, you ready to get out of here, David? Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, as usual, man, thank you so much for, you know, being a glutton for punishment and talking books with me, man. I really appreciate it. And all the other stuff that you do, too, um, with, like, you know, episode reviews and whatever else you feel like talking about. I haven't asked you to do this in a while um, because you're on like all the freaking time, but um, you, you have like quite a few projects going on, like between um, like your own podcast and also um, doing like different um, backpacking adventure type um, type content. Just want to see if you'd be willing to put in like a quick plug for it before we get out of here. Oh yeah, sure. Um, the, the contingency plan podcast is my podcast. Um, it might be uh, undergoing a bit of a facelift. I think we're we're kind of talking about direction of that. Uh, maybe becoming a little bit more varietal. Uh, a couple of other things that we have interest in uh, from the sort of pop cultural sphere of influence. Uh, but yeah, we've done. <clears throat> over 160 episodes of that and uh that's me and my brother we have a good time talking star wars and all of that good sort of stuff book of boba fett's coming up not before too long and we'll be going episode by episode with, with that um on the other side youtube uh dave's 45 auto is the youtube uh, handle there but yeah that also is undergoing a bit of a facelift as well uh, during the pandemic, I went a little bit nuts and put out you know, a million videos because I was really, really bored. Uh, but I am condensing a lot of stuff down, and depending on your releaser of this, uh, the, in quotations, new-ish content will start to uh, funnel out. Uh, to, again, to be a little bit more uh, condensed and, and a little bit easier on me as far as editing, because I'm, I'm much, much busier now. I can't uh, keep up that sort of velocity, but yeah, those are, those are the two projects and, uh, you know, I'm sure there will be more in the future because I oftentimes get bored. Very good. Very good. And, um, yeah, anyways, yeah, David and I will be putting out a, an X-Files podcast come fall 2024. So, you know, just keep that on your calendar or something like that. Um, no, in all seriousness though, like, um, David, you put out some, some great content. Um, I always enjoy, uh, listening to um, to your podcast, and um, I check out your YouTube videos uh, whenever I get a chance. So if you're, especially if you're a backpacker or a foodie in general, go check out his his YouTube channel. I mean, give give the guy some love for crying out loud. Reviewing hot sauces, and I know like that's probably not one of the more popular 
uh, downloads for some folks, but um, if you if you're looking for a good hot sauce that you want to check out, or a coffee, or a, or an MRE, or whatever, I mean, he's got very um, easy and no pun intended, but bite size videos for you to check out. So it's it's easy to get through them. Um, anyway, well, again, thank you, David. Um, to our listeners out there, um, I hope you all had a very enjoyable uh, Thanksgiving. By the way, that that it wasn't too crazy and that you didn't have too much of a turkey coma. Um, you know, when you're listening to this type of thing. If you did, cool. Um, hope you're enjoying a week's worth of uh, turkey sandwiches and mashed potatoes and pumpkin pie and stuff like that if you're um, in, in the United States. And uh, we're, here we are. We're moving into the, the holiday season. May the odds be ever in your favor with Whamageddon and the Mariah Apocalypse that is upon us. I hope no, none of you end up going to Whamhalla or to, you know, wherever the bad places for Mariah Apocalypse. I don't know if you've heard of this, but Mariah Apocalypse is the same idea as Whamageddon. Um, yeah. You just can't, li- you just can't, uh, you have to avoid um, All I Want for Christmas is You that's like played incessantly on the radio and everywhere else. Much yeah, like, yeah. much like the Wham song. So um, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, that's fine too. Just keep, keep at it. If you, um, but anyways, what, what did you think of the show? What did you think of, of the book? Of um, if you have read Ashes of Tomorrow, what do you think of it? Um, did you? Do I mean? Do you agree with what David and I are saying in terms of like how heavy it is, or like the the dinner party, the Picard gone rogue, like all this stuff that we were talking about? Do you agree with it, or do you just vastly disagree? Regardless, we'd love to hear from you on what what your um, your opinion was in terms of maybe maybe how you rated it. Did you give this a five? Did you give it a one? Uh, let us know. Uh, connect with us at trtvpod.com where you can learn more about us, find out ways to support the show, not just with um, listening and downloads or telling your friends, uh, but also financially if you want to support us on Patreon, there's opportunities there as well. Very affordable tiers and stuff there. Um, also, um, you can um, you know get a hold of us directly. Um, you can open up Hailing Frequencies and send us an email to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. There's a three-minute limit, so make it so. And um, it finally, if you want to mail us something, like, like invitation to a secret dinner party, make sure it gets to us the Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas, 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for all you do, for listening. And um, as we leave here today, may you always remember to boldly go and make it so. Yeah.